Hi, welcome to the Real Kingdom podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Nathan Miller, and I am one of the co-hosts. It's my privilege to welcome you. And I just wanted to let you know, before we dive into today's topic, that the purpose of our podcast is really simple. We like to tell stories from our own lives or experiences that we've had, experiences that we've had with others that have sort of illustrated for us the truth of biblical Christian spirituality. So these things have been encouraging to us. They've sort of formed us, shaped us. And so we are eager to share them with you. If that's a blessing to you, then great. Then that's the point. So thanks so much for joining us. If you're live with us on Facebook, please let us know if you have any questions to today's topic does tend to be controversial. So please let us know if we can clarify anything or if you have any comments or concerns, we'd love to hear those and we will do our best to keep an eye on those and answer them while we are live on the air. If you're listening over audio, then thank you for tuning in and listening as well. I wanna say hello to my longtime best friend, co-conspirator, and one of my favorite um, songwriters, Dustin Aguilar. How's it going, Dustin? Hey, it's going great. I'm feeling good. Uh, You can see that I've got a glorious mop of pre-chemo hair going. (laughs) So chemotherapy starts on Monday for me. Uh, They've told me that I'm not likely to lose my hair, but it might thin. So, uh, so I don't know. I'm just, I'm going for it. I love it. I love it. So I mentioned when I introduced you that you are a songwriter and I found that even among people that are close friends of ours, they're, if they're people we met in, in, I don't know, the last 10 years, sometimes they don't know that you play guitar that you write songs, or if they know you write songs, they maybe think you only write rap songs. So um, anyway, I just want to tell everyone out there that Dustin is an amazing songwriter. I used to always say back in, back when Dustin and I had a band called Darcy, and um, I would say I wrote about three fourths, maybe more of our songs, but it's probably not an exaggeration to say that Dustin's songs were the best ones, or at least... Uh, at least some of the best ones for sure. And some of the most beloved for sure. So, um, and I say that with joy, I think one of the cool things about, um, I don't know when you have a best and that you love is like their success is your success. Right. I never, I was, every time you wrote an amazing song, I was always like, yes, (laughs) that guy's in my band. (laughs) Um, so anyway, um, I appreciate that big shout out from you. (laughs) Um, so What's, not to uh, change the subject yeah. too quickly, but we've got a lot shorter time limit today and a pretty hardcore uh, topic to cover, the gift mm-hmm. of tongues, gift of mm-hmm. languages. Uh, and so I'm just going to turn it over to you and let you do all the talking. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'm I'm eager to talk about this. This is something that is is sort of a a passion for me, but also something that I just find really interesting. It's something that I think I've been hearing about now from believers for 
probably I, I feel like I didn't hear much about it in high school, but certainly from the very beginning of college, it was just something that people were talking about. And so I've been kind of formulating my own opinions off and on throughout that time. And then, of course, had some extreme experiences that forced mm -hmm. me to uh, yeah. really coalesce my opinion. Well, you so, wanted to title uh, the the show today "Surprised by the Gift of Tongues," yeah, uh, because of your your the story, right? Uh, so, right, which I've heard bits and pieces of, I guess maybe I've heard mm -hmm. the whole thing, but I can't wait to hear it again. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, I think probably a really important part of the story for me comes in how I was thinking before I received the gift, and sometimes I can't quite remember, but I was going to a church at the time that didn't believe that the gift of tongues is active today that that christians still receive that gift probably a really important part of this and, no you're good and i don't remember how i was thinking sorry about that little technical but okay how you were thinking before go for it yeah i don't remember if i knew that my church didn't believe in it i don't think i did but what i did know is i had two good friends two very good friends who both came out of what I, I would call Pentecostal backgrounds. So they came up in churches where speaking in tongues was normal, where speaking words of prophecy was normal. And my conversations with both of these friends went very similarly. They had both seen undeniable miracles that they fully believed were real. They had both, I think, heard people pray in tongues and seen healings. They'd heard accurate words of prophecy but their experience overall with these things was negative. And in both of these cases, they were plugged into the church I was going to where, I don't know if I knew what this church believed, but I certainly knew we didn't practice these things. And so I was honestly kind of fascinated in it. In my conversations with these friends, I would often call them on what I deemed to be a little bit of hypocrisy, where it sounded like they knew that these things happened and kind of knew something about it but they were intentionally turning their back on it because maybe it was people that were difficult to deal with or theologies they didn't agree with. And I didn't, I don't think I judged them harshly or anything, but I was kind of like, wait, hold on, go back to the part where you saw someone get healed of cancer. Like, I don't think you appreciate that enough because mm -hmm. I don't ever see that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. So those were pretty formative experiences. And through these conversations and reading the scriptures, I just came to believe that all the gifts of the spirit were for today. And to me, that wasn't me wading into a controversy and picking a side. It was just my opinion. You know what I mean? So again, I was blissfully unaware of much of the controversy, but I had the opinion that the gift was real. And I also um, had a really formative conversation with a girl at a coffee shop. Um, I was actually talking with two girls at a coffee shop. Um, they were friends. And one of them was doing a thing that I think of as the typical sort of pushy, charismatic thing where she was like, you got to go for it. You got to have the gifts of the spirit. Your Christian life is lesser than because you're not seeing these things. Mm. And it was really annoying. And I found it condescending. And then this other girl, she just tells me a story. And I think part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast this way is because the story was very disarming. And she tells me, well, when I received the gift of tongues, I was with my dad. We were visiting Israel. We had gone to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is where Jesus prayed before the crucifixion. And she said, me and my dad were praying 
thanking Jesus for his sacrifice on the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus sweat blood and prayed, Father, let this cup pass for me. And she said, I suddenly felt just like a little bubble on my tongue that I had to kind of let out. And as I let the bubble out, I the gift of tongues happened and I started speaking words that were not familiar to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was such a beautiful story. And I found it very compelling. I didn't have any reason to discredit her or discredit the story. And so I just kind of carried that in my back pocket and not too long after I, so so I mentioned I believed that all the gifts were for today, and I thought it would be really cool to see them happen. Um, I thought a gift like prophecy or a gift like healing could lead people to Christ. It could change someone's life. It could be tremendous in mm-hmm. very measurable ways. And so I had a desire to, to have one of those gifts, to have healing or to have prophecy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know how to pursue them. I didn't know anybody who walked in them, but the, I had a desire for that. The tongues thing, while I believed my friend and I believed the gift existed, I just didn't have any interest in getting it. I had never heard any kind of teaching on it or how it edifies your spirit or anything like that. And I just thought, I believe in it, but I don't want it. I don't see the, I don't really see the practical use. Plus, mm-hmm. I think as, as an intellectually bent person, I like things that are more or less disprovable. You know, I, I'm not interested in sort of half miracle stories or hype hype (laughs) stories, you know? What do you mean by that pertaining to tongues? Exactly. Well, explain it to me like I'm not an intellectually (laughs) bent person. Well, if, if someone is, and I hadn't, I don't think I'd ever heard this, but if someone is just making nonsensical, nonsensical syllables with their mouth, that's not going to compel me to believe that God's doing anything. Uh, Right. I don't have, I don't know what they're experiencing or feeling. And I just, I'm not compelled, even if it really is God, it's just kind of like, at best it's good for you. And at worst it's, it's like, you're totally deceived and weird. Were you about maybe to say at, at worst, at worst annoying? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, it sounded like you're about to say, I don't Actually, know. I guess at worst it could be some kind of demonic thing, and, but we won't go Oh yeah, that. sure. But that was my, my sense at the time was it just isn't a gift that's going to, convince anybody because Uh I certainly didn't want anything fake if I got a gift I wanted it to be real and from God and for that to really be proven in real life and I didn't have a theological um I didn't have a theological way I was leaning you know I Uh didn't want to be so-called charismatic or continuationist I believed that those things could happen but if I saw it I was it was going to be real or I didn't want any part in it yeah so um I was the church I was going to, and I do want to give them some props. They love the Bible. I think that they actually do walk powerfully in the spirit in some ways. They might not call it that, but they have a, a passion for missions and for evangelism. Mm-hmm. And so it was always before me, the importance of evangelism. And one night I was in my bed and I was praying and I didn't often pray this, but I started praying that God would use me to save people, that God would use me to bring people to faith mm-hmm. in Christ. And somehow I became just overwhelmed by the intensity of the subject matter and what I was praying for and how 
how mysterious and deep it was to ask God to come into someone else's life and to to change their eternity. And of course, that gets into all kinds of theological questions. And mm-hmm. and so I'm just deep in it. And I this is going to sound like a setup, but it was not. I started really feeling the inadequacy of my words. And I mm-hmm. thought, man, these words are not adequate. I'm praying something, a mystery that I can't even fully comprehend. And then I started to feel something in my actual tongue. Huh. And and I thought of my friend's description. She felt a bubble on her tongue. And I thought, okay, yeah, I could see how this could be described as that. And I thought, oh, no. Am I going to get the gift of tongues right now? And I prayed to God and I said, no, God, I don't want this gift. Give me prophecy. Give me healing. If you're about to do something, then let it be something that no one can deny, that I can tell stories and have people believe. And of course, I repented of that notion. That's a ridiculous thing to say to God. Mm. And so I said, I'm sorry, God, if this is from you, if this is really from you, then of course I'll receive it. And so I was, I was feeling something on my tongue. And so I just kind of chose to release it. And if you've never had this experience, it's impossible to describe. Spiritual experiences kind of have physical properties and they kind of have emotional properties, but they're unique. They are spiritual. And this was a spiritual experience. And I, I sensed something certainly physical, but sort of beyond physical and the state, my whole state in that moment was, I was very lucid. I was in my right mind, but I I could feel a weightiness to that moment. Mm -hmm. And I, as soon as I let the syllables come out, I heard them and they sounded like nonsense and my mind was offended. I thought, what is that? That's nonsense. Mm -hmm. But in the next moment, my spirit was flooded with peace and with joy and Okay, forgive me. Have I shared my my ex- Holy Spirit experience, my intense one on the podcast yet? I have no idea. I know we talked about it like three days ago. Just share okay. it. Okay. Well, no, gosh, I wouldn't have time. Oh, but okay. well, because, okay. <laughs> because of prior experiences, I recognized once I felt this flood of joy and peace, um, I had some familiarity with with the Holy Spirit and in an experiential way. And so I knew I was, okay, this is the Holy Spirit. And I felt so much joy and so much peace. And I just continued praying in tongues for a couple minutes. Mm. And just to be clear, um, I wasn't seeking the gift and I did not have any idea of how it should sound. I'd never heard it. Um, And I didn't, I wasn't experiencing any pressure from any group to do it. I didn't even want the gift. And it wasn't like, I was in a crisis of faith where I needed to have some experience. I wasn't. So none of those factors are at play here. And I think that those factors can be at play at times when people have sort of contrived experiences. Mm-hmm. But um, this was as far as I could possibly tell it was genuine. So I received this gift and, and the, the peace and the presence of God that I felt was undeniable and so sweet and so joyful. And I think kind of in the innocence of that joy, I went to my small group a few days later And I told them just at the beginning, I was really excited that it had happened and I shared it. And the leader kind of came down pretty hard on me in front of everybody. He said, man, that gift is not for today. And he he said it in a calm way that almost made it more unnerving. Mm -hmm. 
he mm. said, I'm worried about you. This could be demonic what happened to you. And mm. and I can say now, knowing him and, and knowing where he was, that might have been a conviction of his, but I think more likely it was what he had been taught about it. It was what was taught commonly at our church when they talked about that gift at all. That was kind of what was understood. And so he relayed that to me. And what was really sweet, actually, is all the guys in the small group kind of reached out to me individually afterward to tell me that they disagreed with the leader. Not necessarily mm-hmm. about the gift, but they they all said, hey, we're not worried about you. We know you. You're super solid. One of the guys was leading a mission trip I was about to be going on. And he said, man, I'm glad you're on the team. I have no doubts about you or your spirituality. So that was kind of, I got this flood of support from my from my friends, yeah. which was cool. And my favorite part of the story is I was very discouraged after that happened, obviously. And I called my dad and my dad and I had never talked about tongues in our lives that I could remember. And I was probably 22, 23 when this happened. I called my dad and I, I told him what had happened. And I told him what my small group leader had said. And my dad said, you know, Nathan, I had some friends I prayed with in college and they loved Jesus and, and they prayed in tongues. I think it's real. I don't have any problem with it. And, you know, he said, some of these guys that graduate from Dallas Theological Seminary, they're, they're taught that it's not for today. And that's, that's their perspective. And that's probably where your church is coming from. And it was just so helpful. Uh, He just calmed me down instantly. But sadly, I did feel pretty shut down. And the the hint that it could be demonic really made me afraid. Mm. And so I actually, after a few days, whenever I would feel that feeling come, I just wouldn't, I felt just kind of depressed about it. I just wouldn't let, I wouldn't pray in tongues. And I actually just kind of didn't and ultimately stopped um well i wouldn't say you ultimately stopped well for i don't know six months maybe a year or two actually yeah and when i really started again i don't know if i've told you this we told the story about the demonic deliverance and Mm -hmm. um i can't remember the name that we gave the guy we used a pseudonym pseudonym but we had that experience where we had a guy staying with us and i was the morning that we took him to the train station kind of our last day with him I was reading a story and it's a, it's an an allegory about the life of Jesus called um, the singer. And there's the, the garrison demoniac features in this as this allegorical madman in the book, the singer. And there's this great moment where after Jesus is killed, he, he thinks he's going to go crazy again. And so he actually Mm. shackles himself back up. And he's hanging off of a wall and shackles and then Jesus comes in and he realizes Jesus is alive. And it's this beautiful, beautiful moment. And I started feeling the Holy Spirit giving me the gift of tongues. And so I started praying in tongues because we had a man who was literally demonized in our house. And mm. I feel like Jesus just met me there in a powerful way to remind me of his healing power and that he was with me. And from that day on, I've prayed in tongues consistently. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so the, the, these two times that you were, that you told us about, you said that you felt something happening and then you prayed in tongues and now you're saying you pray in tongues consistently. So are you able to just pray in tongues whenever you want, or are you, do you have to wait for that feeling or how yeah. does that work? Yeah, man, I'm glad you asked that. 
I, in all the times I've heard people talk about the gift of tongues, I've never heard someone describe quite this exact thing. So I feel like I've heard people tell stories like mine. They weren't expecting it. And again, I hadn't heard these stories before I had mine, but I, I've heard them since. Mm -hmm. They weren't expecting it. It just happened to them out of the blue. Mm -hmm. And then I've also heard stories where people received the gift in maybe an, an environment where it was expected or where they, they were even told to imitate someone praying in tongues. And yeah. um, I've heard stories of that that I find compelling where it seemed to have worked. However, I also, I part of me wants to roll my eyes because I think even if that that works, surely they have to know that the watching world is going to be very skeptical about that uh -huh. version of it, maybe even more so than, than my version. Mm. But what's happened to me, so I can remember people telling me that they could pray in tongues at will. And I was very like, okay, then that's not the real gift because that's not mm. how it worked for me. But what has, what happened to me is for a long time, if I would pray and seek God, I would start to feel, and I'll just use the shorthand. I would start to feel the Holy spirit. And it was like, I could feel him in my mouth, maybe because I have that gift. But I start to feel um, the Holy, the presence, the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, and then I know, okay, I could pray in tongues. I'm receiving the the mercy, or the, the grace to pray in tongues right now. And so, at, like First Corinthians says, I cannot. I can choose to not. If God is giving me that gift, I can abstain. If that's a loving thing to do, First Corinthians talks about if there's no interpretation, don't confuse the outsider. And I'm able mm -hmm. to not, but I can sense that it's there. The potential is there. And it's it's a strong sense that'll usually come when I'm praying or worshiping or I'm hearing the Bible taught or I'm at church. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say as I've walked in it and as I've as I have prayed in tongues, that's become more more regular. And what's funny is now I pretty much feel that even if I start talking about praying in tongues. You feeling it right you know, now? Yeah. Uh, I start <laughs> I start or people start talking about Jesus, I'll start to feel it a little bit. Yeah. And if I start thinking about praying in tongues, I'll start to feel it. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's kind of actually become voluntary in a sense in that it, it it's just doesn't take much to get there, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, but it, yeah. it's still, it's still, I'm still truly in the vein of the involuntary. It's still a gift that God gives that I respond to. Yeah. Um, so it, it's kind of become voluntary over time. Or, or functionally voluntary. As so in, I'm curious if other people have had that experience, but that has been my experience. Yeah, well, uh, so we've only got five minutes. I actually have the the time staring at me before I have to get on a call. Yeah. Um, and so you've told the story. We haven't really gotten to interact with it very much. What do you feel like we have to say in five minutes? I mean, we haven't looked at, I mean, we're not, we're not trying to, you know, prove that it's for today. We mm -hmm. haven't looked at any of the scripture uh, surrounding tongues because that's not really um, the point. The point, I mean, the scripture is there and the teaching is out there to be heard. But the, but your mm -hmm. story uh, was kind of the point. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so what do we need to say yeah. in the in the four minutes now that we that we have? Uh, I know that I can say for just a, a second that I have an experience with tongues that. Uh, is like what you said sounds like it, you I can't remember exactly what you said but it's the guy telling me now uh, uh, now uh, uh, make these sounds open your mouth right, let it out right. you know and I was just like okay and I just let out some sounds and I didn't feel anything I certainly whatever you're experience you're describing I didn't feel at all uh, mm -hmm. and if I show up in heaven someday and God's like all those years 
you were literally just making nonsense sounds and that was not the gift of tongues. I would be like, okay, I can totally see that. Uh-huh. But I know that I, one of the people that you said, it seemed to work. Mm-hmm. Meaning uh, after I had this experience, uh, I mean, I was a different person. Mm-hmm. Um, people, uh, when I just don't talk about who I was before, they're like, that was you. I mean, I was, a, I, I, uh, was afraid to talk to people about Jesus. And now I'm like, mm-hmm. love doing evangelism. And that's just mm-hmm. one. I mean, I, I, I couldn't even, not only could I not read and understand the Bible, I couldn't even keep up with a physical Bible. I would lose Bibles all the time. <laughs> and, and since that experience I've had, well, I did lose one Bible actually, but, uh, uh, I left it at my wedding, uh, the wedding venue. But the, the fact was I took my Bible everywhere. I took it yeah. to my, you know, my wedding and left yeah. it at the venue and my dad uh, thought he was thought he was getting it, but he accidentally got uh, somebody else's. <laughs> so that's the Bible I've been using now for for over ten years. But anyway, love it. Uh, I'm one of the people that you would say it seems to work, uh-huh. uh, but the experience doesn't seem to. It's certainly not your experience, and certainly doesn't seem to be the kind. And I can say this too. I don't see that in Scripture of mm-hmm. Paul laying his hands and saying now say no let it out you know say these right words. right um you right. know it doesn't happen like that on pentecost it doesn't happen when peter's preaching and the holy spirit falls on the the mm-hmm. gentile people he's talking to or were they samaritan i can't recall now yeah there's uh, two different stories i think but they both have a similar thing yeah um and and you don't see that happen i, I guess you don't well yeah you specifically see it not happen like that in mm-hmm. the day of pentecost and mm-hmm. when peter's preaching mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway uh, so now, now you've got two minutes. So now what do you have to say about yeah. this in two minutes? Hey, do you know if you jump off, would I be able to conclude with a couple of thoughts for people even uh, after you jump off? Yeah, you, yeah, you certainly would. Okay. Well, yeah, cause I might, I think I will receive this call when it comes in. So gotcha. Yeah. Great. So I think one of the things I'd want to share first and foremost is I wouldn't necessarily expect what I'm saying to compel anybody. I do think that it matters to some, of course it matters that you, that you think that there's, if not a biblical case to do it, at least biblical room for it being for today. And we're, we haven't even touched on why people believe it has ceased. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to think it's actually more their experience and their understanding of church history than anything else. And then they kind of backfill with the scripture texts. Mm-hmm. But regardless, I mean, I, I think their experiences in many cases are valid one of the things that I think helped convince me that my gift was real, even though I experienced joy and peace when I received it, even though I wasn't under any pressure to receive it, is that I have seen sort of effects work. I've seen people, in one case, we were praying for someone and you were there, Dustin. And I asked, it was five or six of us in the room, all friends. I asked, hey guys, can I pray in tongues? And they were, they were like, sure. And I said, okay, and let's listen for interpretation, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. So I began praying in tongues for my friend, and you started hearing, or getting an impression that you needed to go get some salt. Uh-huh. Yes. It's specifically to uh, to sprinkle salt on this person's head. On the person. So that's weird. Uh, yep. And so no, you were yep. planning on not doing it, and you probably thought, oh, that's not even God. That's my weird imagination. Hey, guys, can I... And then... Um, but one of my friends that was listening to me pray said, Nathan, I think I have an interpretation. I think that what you're praying is to, is savor the Lord. 
And this had never happened to me before, but I had a powerful reaction in the spirit when she said that, like my spirit was confirming that the Holy Spirit in me had been interpreted by the Holy Spirit in her. And I actually fell on the ground and started weeping, which was, mm -hmm. again, it never happened to me. And you all were like, whoa, I was just thinking I needed to do this prophetic symbolic thing of sprinkling salt on the person. I just and want so you to know sort of that this I did do it. Oh, I remember that. Tiniest amount of salt possible. <laughs> and I was like, sprinkle, sprinkle. <laughs> well, and I, and I think that, and you, you told us, because once she said, savor the Lord, there was sort of this triangulation of confirmation hmm. where I, I sensed spiritually the confirmation and you were able to say, hey, the Holy Spirit has been speaking something similar to me, except in, yep. this, in this image. So I haven't had the what I think is the ultimate experience, which is where something is actually communicated to someone else through my gift of languages. I, not that I know of. I've heard of that happening to like close friends who I trust, mm -hmm. some of whom are actually not super charismatic, like in the Holy Spirit sense, they're not charismatics, but they've still had these tongues of experiences where mm -hmm. God has communicated across language barriers. So that would be the ultimate like provable experience. But I've had many like the one I just described where there was sort of Holy Spirit confirmation in the room. Mm -hmm. So I feel pretty confident. I do want to say quickly just I, I am uh, muting myself okay you're already I'm, muted i'm so muting myself and my video and when you're done i will stop it from my end okay peace gang so i i do want to say because i think this is really important i've talked to many people who really strongly desire the gift of tongues and I don't know if part of the issue is the way it's talked about biblically, and, and I agree with this, is that tongues edifies the spirit. And so people think to themselves, well, I'd love to be edified in spirit. Who doesn't want to be edified? I want to be built up. If tongues builds me up, that's good. I'll, I'll build myself up in private when I'm praying in my prayer closet, when I'm having my quiet time, I'll pray in tongues, and then I'll be built up. And then the other gifts that are kind of there to share and to give to others, I'll walk in those gifts the rest of my time. So there's this appeal to be built up. And I think it's often talked that way, talked about that way by more Pentecostal uh, charismatic teachers is that you need the gift of tongues. I've heard one popular preacher say the gift of tongues activates all the other gifts. It's kind of the oil that fuels them all. And some of that can come from a theology that if you kind of received the biblical baptism of the holy spirit this is their words not mine if you've received the baptism of the holy spirit that you will pray in tongues as a sign that you've received the gift and so they kind of put all of this emphasis on tongues and they think every believer should have the gift and so i've known these people people that i love and that i'm very close to who long for and desire specifically the gift of tongues and i have no problem with them praying for it and asking god for it however i one of my friends who was like this, he told me of, an, of a time when he went to a meeting where it was a, a well-known sort of personality who, who we believe moves in the power of the Holy Spirit. And my friend had it in his mind that he wanted to get the gift of tongues at this meeting. And, and my friend actually received these extremely accurate, powerful words of prophecy 
from other people and really saw God move. And I think saw people healed, but my friend was actually bummed out because he didn't receive the gift of tongues in this meeting. And without minimizing the pain or frustration any of my friends have felt, I would encourage you, I don't think it's a particularly special gift. I think it's just one of the gifts. I think it's a beautiful gift and I hope that you receive it. Like Paul said, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you. But I do think it is a gift. I don't know how God intends for it to be distributed. Maybe he does intend for every believer to have it, but I don't know that to be the case. And I know that the friends I'm thinking of walk in some other amazing and powerful gifts. And I think that the edification factor is somewhat misunderstood. What Paul is doing when he says that is he's drawing a contrast between prophecy and tongues. And he says, when I prophesy, it edifies my mind and my spirit because I understand what I'm saying. When I pray in tongues, I'm only edifying my spirit. There's a spiritual enrichment, but not an intellectual one or a mental one. And so Paul isn't saying it's the only gift that builds you up. In fact, he clearly says that prophecy also builds you up. And I think I would argue by extension, Paul would say that any spiritual gift that you're using, if it's truly a spiritual gift, then that's going to build you up in spirit. This is another podcast for another day, but if your understanding of spiritual gifts is that it's just kind of your spiritual personality profile, then that's not quite right. Your spiritual gift is two things. It's you, the vessel, and it's the power of God, God expressing himself through you. If your gift is exactly the same with, that, with or without the power of God, um, then that's not your spiritual gift. And I will continue to keep seeking the face of God and expecting to receive spiritual gifts. It may not be the gift of tongues. So I just wanted to say that as an encouragement. If if you've been taught that you need the gift of tongues to be edified in the spirit, or you need the gift of tongues for any other gifts to be act to be activated in your life, I don't see that biblically, and I don't think that's necessarily something that I would promulgate, even though I have had beautiful experiences with the gift of tongues. So before I close up, maybe I'll maybe get out in front of a couple other kind of objections people tend to have to this gift. Again, I probably won't go into the arguments people have against the continuation of the gift biblically, at least not today. And that's not really the point of this podcast. There are other amazing podcasts and teachings. If you're interested in any of those, I can direct you to a few. But one of the things that I think is misunderstood about the gift is, is sometimes, I, I won't say this is a misunderstanding, but, but it can get tricky because some people talk about prayer languages and that there's a difference between a prayer language and the gift of tongues as it was received in Acts 2 on Pentecost. My personal belief, and this is, is that, is that it's people kind of solving a problem, what they see as either a textual problem or an experiential problem they're solving a problem by creating categories. And I have not found those categories to be necessary. They're largely created because of either people who pray in tongues, they kind of tend to have these rote syllables that they'll go to. And so there's this, this category created for a prayer language. Some people, you when Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, then I'm a clanging gong. And so some people speculate that there's such a thing as an angelic tongue that you're praying in a tongue that's truly from the spirit, but it's not a human language. I have no problem with that. That may be true. 
but I don't necessarily think we need to parse out between the two gifts. I've never, I've never experienced nor read in scripture a necessity for that difference. When I pray in a tongue, sometimes it sounds like a human language to me, and I am not familiar with but half a dozen, you know, human languages with any specificity. Sometimes it sounds like a human language to me. Sometimes it doesn't. But I don't have any confidence that that it isn't. You know, when someone prays in a tongue and it's really from the Holy Spirit, I always assume that it's probably a language of some kind. And that's taking into account my own limitations as a speaker. You know, the, the syllables that my tongue and my mouth are used to forming. I can only imagine that if I'm praying in tongues in a language that that God is really putting the, the syllables in my mouth that I could communicate to someone who spoke that language, that it would still probably sound odd, like I was speaking with some kind of accent, just because my tongue and my mouth are not used to forming those syllables. I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating a bit on all of that. I haven't honestly had that many experiences with others speaking in tongues. Much of it is hearsay, but from people that I trust, I know of one experience that a close friend of mine had. She had lived in India for six months and knew the Hindi language really well. And she was being prayed for by someone. And this was in a church where praying in tongues was not commonplace, but was acceptable. And someone was praying for her and they were praying in tongues. It just sounded like unintelligible syllables. And then they would pray in English and then tongues and then English. And some will say that when that happens, that can be the person interpreting their own tongue. I have no problem with that biblically. I think that that's true, that that can be true. And it seems to have been true in this case because the person would pray in a tongue and then they would pray out loud and, and they were actually praying as my friend was about to go on a mission trip and they would pray, God is with you. God's going with you. God goes before you. God goes behind you. And then they would pray in tongues and they would pray more of the same. God is with you. God's going with you on this trip. They would pray in tongues. And then one of the times when they went back into praying tongues, they actually started praying in Hindi, in the Hindi language. And my friend who knew Hindi understood it. To her knowledge, it was not the Holy Spirit even enabling her to understand it. She just knew the language. And she heard in Hindi, I am with you. I am going before you. So these same things that the person had been praying in English, but in Hindi and in first person, as though the voice of God were saying it directly. So that was pretty amazing. That's someone, a close friend that I know and trust, again, at a church where those Praying in tongues isn't really all that common or certainly not something that's pushed. Um, finally, I just want to say something that I has been helpful to me. And I think this is a misconception. So my, my original understanding of 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul says, um, if someone speaks in a tongues and there's no one to interpret, let him be silent, was that that was kind of just a rule for the gift. I quickly realized, okay, well, if I'm alone, that doesn't really apply because A, I'm not, how would I know if, you know, there's no one, there's no one around to interpret. Is Paul saying I have to self-interpret? Is he saying to have the gift of tongues and to operate it in it alone that I have to also have the gift of interpretation? That doesn't seem necessary. And so the context in 1 Corinthians 14 is not confusing outsiders. And so is, is, and that as an act of love, right? That's why you have 1 Corinthians 13. It's all about love. And so it's, I think, pretty straightforward. I could pray in tongues alone without an interpreter, and that's fine. However, I tended to be pretty dogmatic. If there's anyone else in earshot, then I need to 
have an interpretation or at least seek for an interpretation, pray for one if, and then if one doesn't come, to be silent. And it is important, I think, to note that we might not realize it, but what Paul is describing is someone praying in tongues out loud in front of a visitor or a non-believer or, or a skeptic. And they're praying in an unintelligible syllable, and perhaps the person suddenly is like, oh, you're praying in my language, that's crazy. Or someone else interprets the tongue, and it's this really powerful, undeniable word from God, and so it functions like prophecy, and the person is moved. Perhaps it's even about them. But Paul is still describing praying in tongues in front of a non-believer. He's just saying, you need an interpretation to come along so that it is a loving act, ultimately. He's not forbidding the weird act initially for what it's worth. But I was pretty dogmatic about that. And one day I was praying about going on a mission trip and I just felt afraid. I felt like I was gonna get martyred on this trip and I didn't wanna go and I was afraid. And maybe you're thinking, Nathan, you should be willing to be martyred for the gospel. I received that, but I was very afraid, probably irrationally afraid. And I started to think it was a spiritual attack. And so I asked one of my friends who loves to pray to pray for me as I was debating going on this mission trip. And so she starts praying for me and pretty soon she starts praying for me in tongues. She knows that I'm fine with the gift that she's not going to offend me, but she's sitting there praying for me in tongues. And I just start to feel cynical. And I think to myself, what is this? What are these nonsense syllables? Why is she doing this? I hate this which is irrational based on my experiences, but that's what I was thinking. And I probably had a little 1 Corinthians 14 in mind. Ugh, this isn't even biblical. There should be an interpretation. Why is she doing this? This is stupid. And then I started feeling peace. I started being flooded with peace. The Holy Spirit was ministering to me as she was praying in tongues. My spirit was being edified as she was praying in tongues. And I I'm not interested in making a theology based on experience or changing scripture to fit my experience. So I went back to 1 Corinthians 14 after this because literally my fear of going on a mission trip, something that I think God is for and that the devil is very against, my fear of going on a mission trip went away as she ministered to me that night. And so I went back to 1 Corinthians 14 and I discovered, again, what Paul is actually saying. He never says that tongues can only edify the person who's speaking. Again, he's just drawing a distinction between tongues and prophecy. Uh, what one, that prophecy does all that tongues does and more because it's intelligible. He wasn't saying that tongues can't edify someone else's spirit. In fact, there's no reason to think that at all. And so what my friend did for me, you'll often see Pentecostals and Charismatics, people that, that walk in a gift of tongues. You'll see this, you'll see them doing this often. I do it often, praying for others in tongues. Um, the prohibition in scripture that I thought was there actually wasn't there. What is there is a mandate, the overall rule of love, of, of being aware of your surroundings and loving people. And Paul's rule is, it's specific how you can love someone while praying in tongues. If someone speaks in a tongue and there's no one to interpret, let him be silent. And so some of us say, you know what, that's a let's that's for church and let's practice it that way in church in case there's an outsider present i think that's a perfectly good way to walk in in the literal letter of what paul was saying um, but paul certainly didn't say that only tongues edifies the spirit and he did not mean to imply that i can only edify myself by praying in tongues that i couldn't possibly edify someone else by praying in tongues for them
there's just a few thoughts, misconceptions I wanted to clear up. Please let me know if you have any questions, if there is anything um, I can help with. I do see one question on the text, which is, uh, so do you understand what you're saying when you pray in tongues by yourself? And that's from my friend Trinity. Um, no, Trinity, I don't understand the syllables. If you're asking, do the syllables come out and they're immediately like intelligible words to me or in some spiritual sense, I know they're not intelligible words, but I know instantly what they mean. I do not. And in fact, um, it is my it is my belief that God really prefers for the interpretation gift to be someone else. Prefers is a strong word, but Paul kind of seems to illustrate it that way. And I I think that God likes us to be interdependent. Um, I think I think the Holy Spirit really comes and meets us in powerful ways when we pursue the Lord in groups and different gifts are being used. And so I love to see the gift of interpretation used um, in the room when I'm praying in tongues. And it's possible that I receive interpretation um, so that I pray in tongues and then I'll pray something in English and that that's an interpretation. That's possible, but I wouldn't quite know how to verify that. Um, if I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, I don't know how the, for me, practically the gift of interpretation of my own tongue would be different than me just kind of switching into a gift of prophecy. Um, and I don't know that it matters that much, but I think it's possible that I am sort of praying into in English what I was just praying into in a tongue. But as far as I can tell, there's not intelligibility to me, either spiritual or actually just a knowledge of the language when I pray in a tongue. So yeah, thanks for asking that question. I hope that was helpful. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to stick mainly to my own stories and those of people I know and trust. There are stories out there that I've read that are amazing, like way more amazing than mine. But uh, I know that those of you that know me and trust me might trust me and my story more than me relaying something that I read. So I thought I would kind of stick to my own experience with this. For the record, I don't think my experience nullifies other people's experiences or because I received the gift in a, in a certain way that that's the only way to receive it or that people who receive it in a very different way, that that is less valid somehow. But I do think for what it's worth, my story is, is unique among a lot of tongues stories just because there was no pressure to do it. I had no desire for the gift. I was alone and I, I wasn't kind of seeking any sort of spiritual experience of any kind, let alone tongues when it happened and I have continued to pray in the gift. I, I feel like I know a lot of people who have experiences like mine where they receive a one or two time gift of tongues, but it, they don't continue to walk in it. It's just kind of a thing that happened one time. So I have continued to pray in tongues and I do continue to sense the presence of the spirit at times in that very similar way. So anyway, I'll go ahead and wrap up. I could talk forever. I hope this is, has been helpful to you. Dustin and I want to revisit this topic as a part of the broader conversation about spiritual gifts and how the gifts can kind of be used in tandem. I think God really likes to do that kind of thing, and there aren't a lot of teachings out there on that, at least not that I've experienced. So we're hoping to talk more on this subject. Please let me know if there's anything I can illustrate or illuminate or make more clear for next time. We are planning to go live next Thursday around the same time. I know it's not a great time for anybody to tune in live, but I appreciate those of you that have. 
and I love you a lot, and we will talk to you soon.